Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to our show. I am Drew. This is Option Forward. I'm always joined by the second half of the show. GQ Nesto, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What it do, what it do. God is good. God is great, man. And we're, we have something very, very, someone very special today. Um, I'm, I'm a, I've been working on my little introduction game. But uh, she is someone who uh, I would say, just off of talking to her briefly, um, and doing a little bit of background research. Someone who recognizes opportunity, takes advantage of that opportunity, and from that creates opportunity for others, right? And um, today in our studio, we have uh, Miss Kathy Marino, uh, the owner of OC, OC Fashion Week. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? So great to be on here and so excited. All right, all right. Now we're ready to talk about this dirt. No, nah, okay, let's, nah, nah. let's do it. No, nah, but uh, Kathy, <laughs> but uh, we, like, you know, yeah, I know. Let's go <laughs> digging in. But uh, you know, we, we thank you, <laughs> we thank you for coming. Um, tell the listeners a little, a little bit about I know a little bit about you, but can you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, so um, I'm not originated from fashion, I actually came from the television world. And originally when I graduated at college, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to um, work in imports and exports. And I was originally an international business major with a minor in French. And, um, you know, but I got a little internship, you know, um, working for Budweiser at the time when I was a kid. And then eventually I got into television because I thought I was going to get on-air traffic. But I didn't know, I, you know, I went into the interview thinking, <laughs> hey, we're backed up on the five north. If you're heading southeast, you could be headed toward a car collision, you know, presented by Taco Bell, you know, so I thought it was that kind of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and I go in there and they're like, um, no, it's a burger commercial. So you're gonna be trafficking two burger commercials. You wanna make sure there's maximum separation of the two burgers, not in one slot time. And then you gotta call copy and bring the copy to master control. Got that? I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Long story short, I took the job to get into the industry. And little did I know that job was going to chase me, and it, ch it chased me. So I, I went over to Fox, and I took a prog um, programming assistant job and worked in syndication, where we would um, negotiate syndicated buys for Seinfeld and Friends at the time and The Nanny and all these different shows. And then I would make uh, promos you know, for them. And then when my boss was laid off one time, they decided to put me back in traffic. And I'm like, no, I hate traffic, damn. 
And so <laughs> I was just kind of like a little traffic klutz at the time, you know, I wasn't, you know, you know, at the time I remember somebody putting a commercial on my desk and I ran it over to Massive Control and then six months later they were like, no, um, the dentist had passed away and we're like, oh my God. So I knew I could not do traffic. But um, long story short is um, I ended up uh, taking a job for Univision and at the time uh, in San Diego, they had just bought out UPN. And so I finally got into my dream job. I was doing market research and I found out that I was very good at it. I was finding stories for Coca-Cola, and we were saying, hey, uh, Coca-Cola among Hispanics, we're gonna exceed um, the population and consumption in the next 20 years. So if Coca-Cola jumps on now, we could, um, they could get and jump on the trend that's happening that we're seeing here in the numbers. And then we would win different accounts. You know, it was me and my, another co-mate. Um, eventually, little did I know that we were outranking, you know, in the commercial buy, industries because um, we were out delivering like NBC's numbers and CBS and I'm talking local traffic in as far as uh, the San Diego market at the time and um, and those numbers would later be something of a backbone for me in understanding and how to read um, projected forecasts and things of that nature. Um, later on I, I, I was trying to get out of the traffic chase and um, we had moved up to Orange County and I uh, threw a resume out to Disney. I didn't know where it was gonna go. I, I had this weird thing where I, th I thought, I'm gonna send my resume and FedEx it overnight so that it lands on a Friday because people are naturally in a good mood. So that became my, I didn't know I was leaving little foundations of little um, patterns that I do for myself, which is so I work with people that are most likely to be in a good mood and then they could call me on Monday and I would get the job. And that's how I got every job was a cold call. I would just walk in and say, I want that job in my head. And I would say, and I'd write my resume to get the job. And it was just the weirdest thing. I kept doing that and doing this. So little did I know, my, one day my resume landed on the vice president <laughs> of sports sponsorships desk at Disney. At the time, they owned the Ducks and the Angels. And they said, congratulations, we pick you. And you're going to be working wow. in our finance division for the Ducks and Angels. I'm like, holy cow, OK. <laughs> and I jumped in head first. And literally, I know that I was going to meet a gentleman named Bob at the time. And Bob was their broadcast manager, and he handled the traffic for the Ducks and the Angels. And then next thing you know, Bob was gone. <laughs> and they're like, uh, guess who's doing traffic? I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> All of a sudden, they had me doing the double headers for the Ducks and the Angels and the NHL. And they were working off, and I can't say too much, but they were working off a very um, basic system at the time. And I met with the IT department and designed the first automated um, traffic system wow. for the Dex and Angels at that time. But I accidentally consolidated my eight-hour job into two. So I was like, oh, no. What <laughs> Whoops. Um, and then from there, uh, I decided to take a leap of faith and um, take a job as a senior analyst for the Orange County Register at the newspaper at the time. And I, I did that thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, now traffic can't get me. But then the Angels win the World Series, and all my friends are That was unfortunate. Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So it was kind of an um, uh, interesting thing. But those patterns of work had eventually uh, were going to be the reason that I was able to finance uh, Fashion Week later down the road. Little did I know. But they were early. It was almost as if... Uh, you know, if you believe in signs uh, and all things serendipitous, this was one of one of them. 
And uh, when things fall in your lap, naturally, it was kind of a weird thing. And that's kind of how I got into it. Eventually, when I had kids, um, I uh, decided to work from home. And because, um, you know, we wanted to see if we could raise our kids from home and, and just have one parent at home. And I, I took a job at a dentist, at tennis club. And they asked if I knew sponsorships. And they said, well, you worked for Disney and sports sponsorships. Can you help us out with the United States Tennis Association? And I was like, um, sure, okay. You know, hadn't done this before, but I usually don't work the sales side. I'm usually a market analyst, but um, let me see what you got in the numbers and we could play around with it. And that was like the very beginning of everything. Um, from there, I started getting word of mouth events, but I was producing events under six weeks or less. It was a really weird thing. So someone would have a train wreck and then they would come to me and then I would um, flip the flop, you know. And then I started selling the flops back for more money. So I'd be like, change the theme, um, change the, the aesthetics a little bit, change the marketing, um, build a website, and then get it out the door. Now, to do these types of things were um, very trying because, you know, if you've got a toddler at home, it's, it's very difficult. That means your hours of work are sporadic and in two-hour increments. And what I decided to do was I looked at commercial traffic, you know, with a, uh, I attached a, a value to time. And I didn't even know I was doing it. I knew that 6 to 8 a.m. was morning drive. I knew that, um, you know, 6 to 7 p.m. was prime access. It was another day part. I knew that 8 to 10 was prime time. I knew everything had a value. So I was like, fine, I'm going to put a value on my time. I'm going to do it actually AQH, so every quarter hour, every 15 minutes. Every, actually, every 15 minutes, I'm going to make a decision. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. I'm just going to make a decision and see how fast and how quickly I could build these events. Because now they're coming to me and folks need some funds and they need um, a dynamic show of turnout and they also need uh, the promotions. And so there's, you know, when you do events, there's all these moving parts and all right. this fulfillment and liability at the same time. So you have massive obligation and uh, massive turnout at the same time. So it was kind of a weird thing. I just um, started doing this thing where every 15 minutes I would um, build a commercial. I'm gonna write a press release. Even if I suck at it, it's okay. I'm just gonna get it done. Uh, and then the next 15 <laughs> minutes would be, um, uh, I'm gonna make a list of people I'm gonna call to see if they'd be interested in becoming a sponsor. And then the last list would be, um, and then I'm going to, uh, you know, make some additional phone calls and, and see if I could close them. And so little by little, I started picking up on these um, patterns. I guess that's what I do. I, I, I'm, I, I think as an analyst, you look for patterns in numbers, and I find patterns in people and things and places and things. And, and I read energy, and if it's up, you know, if it's low, you know. Um, and, but it took me a, a long time to figure it out. It, it took me you know, 293 events later to figure out, you sure. know, d different things. You're like a walking computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like I lost you, like, like, oh. I, I, like as soon as Bob, I was like, what happened to Bob? Like, I, know, I was just like, right? did he die? Like, what happened? Like, yeah, they just like, they, I know, it was so sad. It was like they were Wait, he did die? No, no, he oh, okay. didn't. Oh, okay. No, thank God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a budget thing, apparently. You know, I didn't experience, you know, an increase in raise or anything, but, uh, you know, he, they just kind of placed me where he was, and I didn't want his job. I was like, he was tenure there for a long time. 
And I was, I felt so bad. I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't want Bob's job. You know, I didn't come here for that. You know, but yeah, it was, isn't that crazy? Yeah, honestly, like I, I think putting the, the dots together, cause that's what it sounds like. Like you were you very conscious of how to put the dots together and how to make everything work. Like, are you like visual? Are you more visual or you're more like, what type of, like, how do you, where where do you see the pattern of, of like connecting the dots? Especially, like, uh, spe especially marketing. Yeah, that's a really good question. Usually like in frequency, in succession. Um, so I usually, um, I know you had mentioned something, hey Kathy, is, is that kind of like a, maybe you kind of procrastinate and I go, I don't know if it's a combination of procrastination, but Look at you <laughs> it could attention. be. You remember yeah, saying. no, I love that. Um, but it's actually, um, I, uh, I look at um, definitely patterns, things that repeat over time and then from there all forms, oh, here's an example. So when I was a kid, I was trying to raise money for my, when I was a kid, wedding dress, right? So I was working at Fox and then at night I took this tax software company and they were telemarketing. And it was really funny because so, <clears throat> and I don't even know, I didn't even know I was doing this until I took a technical writing class because I needed to, to write more clear. I would write these long winded sentences that would never end. And it's like, Kathy, get to the point. I'm like, I'm trying, but like, they're like, say it for less. <laughs> like, oh man. So ultimately, um, I took the tax software um, job so I could make extra money. It was like nine bucks an hour, I think at the time. But if you rang the bell and you sold something, you'd get these bonuses. So I took the script and, you know, four hours would go by and I wouldn't make a sale. I'm like, dumb script. So I'm going to see <laughs> if I can get somebody to say yes. So I was like, Bob, yes. Hey, Bob. So um, you live on 442 um, Charlie Way? Yes, I do. Two. That's two yeses. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, and I take it you got the uh, deluxe software last year, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was three. So, oh, okay, well, that's fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, I take it that you uh, you used the uh, Visa Platinum card last year, right? And he goes, yes, I did. And I go, I guess you want, you're going to do that again, right, for the deluxe software. And I guess I am. And I go, ding. <laughs> and so it became this weird thing with me to find um, a pattern and you know I don't recommend this for anybody or pressure points yeah um, I, yeah or maybe just something that um, made them more agreeable yeah yeah um, but agreeable in a very truthful right. way because these are all things that they can agree with yes I live here and yes I did use that and and just making it easy for them and saving them time so and over time I, I realized to me that was a luxury time and that if you find a way to communicate how you save someone's valuable time you're going to have them more communicative with you they're going to be more adaptive to um, you know um, change and also openness and then um, you know movability basically but it was kind of a weird thing. But over, you know, that was my just, you know, strategy at the time. But, you know, I think I started making like 300 an hour at the end or some ridiculous amount. And a friend of mine who was like, <laughs> she was trying to compete with me at the time. So she's like, all right, what do you do? And I'm like, give me your script. Give me your script. Let me see what you got. Let's see what you got. And let's, you know, how are you connecting with the customer? Are you listening to them? Are you recognizing what they need? You know, are you acknowledging you know some of the things that they feel social acceptance with you know and so that's how it started how it began it was a weird thing it was a weird 
methodology. They also <laughs> call those um, open-ended fact-finding questions. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Open, yeah, yeah. So see, so there's there's some of the things. <clears throat> so, My nerdy side, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's good. <laughs> but uh, for those who are um, unaware, what is OC Fashion Week? Orange County Fashion Week, I think, if I were to describe it, um, is an international trade show dedicated to emerging designers and businesses, emerging businesses looking to be discovered. It's become a location that where companies can launch and prevail as an incubator in our market. And I say that loosely because um, based on statistics, our, our consumer spend in retail is so vast, it actually spends at the rate of a fashion capital. Um, so what I did my numbers um, back in the day when I, at the time I was with American Express and they had wanted me to produce an opera festival. And so we had to present a, a business plan to the city of Dana Point and at the time, um, I pulled up the research numbers and I go, huh, we spent 2.1 billion in travel, but we spent, what was that, 56 billion? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, let, me, let me just check my numbers here, <laughs> that's just a little ridiculous. Okay, so I pulled back and, I, and then, I, then I bought my own market research software. Um, which was the same one that the Orange County Register used because I was like, wait a minute, I'm seeing something here that's like, this is, this is wild. Okay, so let me call up Vogue and see, you know, are we talking here about Orange County yet? Because we're spending like a fashion capital. So I spoke to an executive at the time at Vogue and I asked them point blank and I said, how are you ranking the fashion capitals? She goes, oh, you couldn't quite call Orange County a, a fashion capital and I'm like, Oh no, I'm 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 not trying to call it a fashion capital at all. She's like, no, I I enjoy a spirited debate. And I go, no, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to debate you. I'm just you know looking here at the statistics of, of the consumer spend in retail and wondering how, how uh, we're identified, you know, in the you know in in that realm and and what other countries are spending. I'd be curious to know what other. Well, that that conversation never came about. It was like, oh, well, you know, it's based on a cultural index. It's based on this and that. So what does a market research person do, you know, out of curiosity, is I, I looked up their source. And at the time in 2008, and I don't think it's the, it's the same source in present time, but right. back in 2008, it was a company called the Global Language Monitor. And I called them up and they said they were an SEO firm. I said, huh, okay, that's interesting. Because typically you would, uh, use a, a consumer spend to determine you know the uh, rank reports so i did tons of rank reports at the register so that's all i knew same thing with that univision i would do rank reports but it was always based on spend uh, but i never knew there was a rank re a report based on seo so that's a different approach that's um, more based on popularity and sourceability online which in many ways for some companies that's more valuable asset because um it's it's making them socially relevant and more findable, which is attractive if you're in the advertising realm, which would make sense for some, someone like Vogue at the time. Um, but in my book, you know, as far as like, you know, consumer spend, you know, I would look at say, if Paris is spending 10 billion, then what does that mean if Orange County is spending, you know, in 2008 at the time, 56 billion? So it was kind of an interesting, statistic that I found, you know, and um, so in present day or before the pandemic, 
I had uh, connected with the global vice president of DHL, and he's in my LinkedIn. I go, oh, did you hear, you know, these are the numbers that I found. I, what do your numbers look like? You know, and so he was actually, that's true. <laughs> and I go, what? <laughs> he goes, that, I mean, I could see that happening because, you know, South Coast Plaza alone is like the number one right. shopping destination in the United States. Yeah. And at the time when I was in, active in travel, it was uh, uh, invited into our travel consortium, which is very difficult to get into because uh, they could justify tourism for the shopping alone like international tourism. So it was kind of an interesting thing that showing that it was viable. And uh, DHL um, ended up saying that um, that Orange County was doing extremely well with e-commerce. This is before the pandemic, so I can't even imagine after <laughs> the pandemic, how many people are still shopping like crazy, that it was doing really well in luxury apparel and cosmetics. So it was kind of a, um, um, you know, cool thing to learn that uh, it was in alignment with the numbers and even the online shopping was very similar um, as far as numbers go as well. So it, so to me, when people ask me what is Orange County, I, I call it, and it's not to be boastful because it is a beautiful, luxurious California Riviera location spot, but I call it the luxury market of California because technically the consumer spend is uh, provenly there. And it's not for hype, it's not based on popularity, it's just, uh, uh, statistically speaking, that it is um, a justifiable number and that we, sp we do really have a fashion capital economy. And maybe we might not be recognized as a fashion capital, but we definitely have the numbers to prove that we have the retail economy to support one. That's dope, that's dope. <laughs> okay, and, and as we, you know, we briefly um, spoke on the phone prior to today, and as you mentioned, you work for the Orange County Register. So how do you go from, what was the transition like from going to an analyst to financing your first run runway show? Oh. What was, was that process? It was interesting because um, seven years later, you know, I'm now running this sponsorship agency. I eventually became this sponsorship agency where I would get hired on event emergencies. So company would call me in New York and say, we need 300 people in three weeks. Can you do this? I go, pay me 15K and we can, <laughs> you know, do something like, or whatever it might be. And so, but at the time it w became a niche for me. Now these two boys came to me and they said, we heard that um, you can help finance companies and you can, um, we've, we've got a show called Fashion Week. And I said, well, let me get back to you because I just got in with Aston Martin Newport Beach and we're designing a racing tour for North America. And I waited three years for this, so I'm really excited because at the time when the economy um, crashed, I built my agency inside the dealership to service their vehicle owners. And um, we became Aston Martin Elite. So it was like we were the first, um, incentive agent um, to be recognized by Lagonda Aston Martin, which was like, you know, I was excited. And serendipitously, somebody at the time when we were doing the racing tour um, goes, hey, check out that Red Vanquish. I'm like, what Red Vanquish? They're like, that one. Whew. And I'm like, oh, who is that? They're like, that's the producer of America's Next Top Model. I'm like, huh. All right, we've got a girl out here. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I was excited just because <laughs> I was like, there was three women out there, and one was a doctor, and then was Dana, and then there was somebody else. And so, little did I know that a year later, uh, you know, I'm now in Italy working for the Italian American Opera Festival, presented by Bulgari, and we're working on an opera festival to premiere in Elisa Viejo in Orange County. And they asked me to be their publicist, and 
um, I flew into Italy to work there and I, I get a phone call. They're like, we need your help. You know, our brand's in trouble. Can, can you come and help us? And I called up some people to come and help and I said, well, I'm not gonna be there for a few more weeks. They're like, we have three weeks to produce a runway. I'm like, or what? Like, or we lose the show. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, models, do we have models? And we're like, no. So I call up the men's aquatic team and I call up the ballet, Orange County Ballet Theater and we get our first group of models. And then I get this random phone call and it's Dana. She's like, where are you? <laughs> are you doing the tour? I'm like, I'm on this uh, fashion week thing. Do you need models? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> sure. And she starts sending all these models and we started getting alumni from America's Next Top Model. That was kind of like my first serendipitous moment. Like, huh, maybe I'm supposed to do this. Huh, let's see what happens next. And from there, I started having all these strange things happen that would just fall in my lap. Like, um, uh, I would, uh, we got a phone call from an MTV affiliate, and they're like, here's eight episodes. And I'm like, oh, you mean commercials? They're like, no, no, eight episodes. And they, they produce your TV show. I'm like, right, righto, righto. Well, I'm the center of the contract. Let me take a look at it. <laughs> and at the time, my, my director, who had worked with me for Aston Martin, um, uh, videos and whatnot for over the years had took a job with LA Live and it, you know, it left me with the camera to purchase and the moment I purchased the camera I get another phone call it's like hi it's the Virgin, I it's the Virgin Islands we heard you have a TV show we'd like to fly you in oh right <laughs> oh my gosh and so it became this thing where I got flown in to do and you know this is our cable show you know whatnot but it was really exciting to um, come into the Virgin Islands and start supporting their fashion show as now this crew. So we became um, what we called behind the scenes crew. And it's so funny because I actually got you guys something, but I'll bring, I'll show it to you. Okay. In a few. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and so, um, and then the third thing was I, I needed to hire a um, a correspondent, a reporter, and. Um, uh, the, my third phone call came in, and I was just telling friends like, oh, it's "So funny, we should go to we should all go to Australia because I've never been." And I'm like, "Hold on, I got this phone call." Hey, and it's like, "Hello, Kathy, we'd like to fly you into Australia." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, excuse me? <laughs> yes, for uh, you know Brisbane Fashion Week." And so all of a sudden, I'm getting flown into Australia, and um, I'm like, "I don't have a correspondent," so I contact this gal Jenny on LinkedIn because she's in Sydney, Australia. And she's like, okay, I'll meet you in Melbourne. And she's like, you should hire my son because he's an editor and he's a really good editor. I'm like, I've got someone that I've been working with for three years now, so we're good. But I'll see you when we get there. And we get on Facebook and we have one mutual friend. And it's her son. And it's her son. And he's in the Philippines and she's in Sydney, Australia. Because we're like, I'm like, hey, Justin, how do you know Jenny? He's like, that's my mom. No <laughs> way. Uh-huh. And I'm like, God, maybe this is a weird sign. And they just kept happening. Like they kept falling on my lap. What, what, did you like watch The Secret or something? Like what, what, no, what, what, did, I, what did you do like to manifest all this to just fall on your lap and just? It's action and intention combined. Okay. But it was, and momentum. I, I mean, in my book, I mean, I had, been reading Napoleon Hill for years because that's my oh, dad's word. books. Yeah, word. have you read him? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and then I came across books like The, the Magic of Believing by Cl uh, Claude Bristol. 
this is long before the secret came right. out, but they are recognized in the secret movie. See, you, you haven't seen the secret, man. You got to watch the secret. <laughs> well, I, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear of it until you. I've told been me. telling him. He doesn't, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it. You know. Well, I, it's weird because they've. I it, maybe it might be hard to believe because it's more commercialized for the masses, but when you identify with the things that you do, and just on, in market research, we look for um, uh, reoccurrences, right? So um, another strange thing that happened to me was when I was an uh, econ major, my professor said, you should take my class. I'm teaching intuition. And I'm like, I can't believe you're teaching intuition, Dr. Franz, that's funny. He's like, no, really? And I go, yeah, okay, see you later. I'll see you at Hebner Hall. <laughs> and so 10 years go by and my girlfriend calls me. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I'm on this plane, I know it's gonna crash. I'm gonna get, I'm like, it's probably just your gut, you know? Um, and then to empathize with her, I Googled intuition and out comes Dr. Franz's book intuition at work published the year i graduated and i'm like oh and i buy the book i'm like he did it he published a book and it was like uh, nine or ten different scholars and some nobel prize winners that were um determining intuition based on um, their own experiences so they had like the first uh, marketing director that was a woman for american express travel writing about intuition they had the smith barney finance um guy writing about it. So it was really interesting that it kept coming back to me because uh, people would tell me I, st I don't listen to my gut. So it was kind of a weird thing that ultimately- Wait, that hold on, back up. You, you said you people you tell listen, you that you, don't, you listen. don't listen to your gut? Well, that there was a time in m earlier in my youth <laughs> that uh, you know I realized it was being nice could be expensive, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you mm -hmm. experienced it. Yeah. When you're so nice, you say yes to everything, you're like the little pushover, and all of a sudden people pick up on that, they start mm. asking for more than what's available in your magic box of good stuff to give, and then that becomes, the bandwidth becomes greater, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're steering the boat to the island and they're punching holes in the boat, and you mm. just need to get the boat to the island, and you're underneath it now, holding it up, right. and they're punching, you know, so I realized that being nice, and it's not in a condescending way, but there's a threshold that it could actually be an expense. <laughs> you gotta throw them off the boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta throw them off the boat. <laughs> throw yeah. them off the boat. Like, hey, you're messing, you're messing the objective, you know? Yeah. No, most definitely. Mm -hmm. It was. I hope I answered almost, the questions. Well, no, no, you did. No, <laughs> because it's, it's almost like when you, I remember my first day, on, on my, my current job, right? Because of the background that I have, I have like this win at all costs attitude. Like, you're not gonna outwork me. I'm not the best, I'm not the most talented. He's not lying. But, <laughs> he's not lying. <laughs> you're not gonna outwork me. And then one guy, I think it was like a bathroom break or something. I was just going to the restroom. He was like, hey, bro, hey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So... 
You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Don't show them you're a good worker. You know how they're going to reward you? with more work. <laughs> and then he quit the next day, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, he did, he was gone. <laughs> but no, it, it, and, and it feels like that, like you said, like now you're underneath the boat because things that are presented to you, you're just like, oh, well, I can handle it. I'm mentally tough. I know I'm capable of getting the job done. So even if I know I, it's more than what I can handle, I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna show that, hey, I'm unbreakable. You know, but everybody okay. has that breaking point, you know. So, but yeah. I, I, I totally understand that that whole, you know, being too nice is is expensive. Is is it doesn't necessarily have to be monetary, but it's emotionally. Yeah, that's true too. Because um, you, you know, you have to preserve yourself, and you have to preserve um, who you are and your energy. Because um, you know, if you keep um, with the takers. And uh, you'll, uh, as a result, you'll get too many withdrawals sometimes. <laughs> well, well you, you just you just like hit it in the nail right there. There's givers and there's takers, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to learn to, to identify that. And in my opinion, I feel that sometimes you have to, when it comes to um, takers, you want to you want to make sure that you narrow down to the taker you're willing to take shit from. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then true. and then the rest is just. It's it's almost as as if it's okay to put boundaries, you know. It's okay to yeah. it's okay to say no because we all have to put in our own effort and carry our own weight. And I think sometimes uh, the I want to say integrity sometimes ruins your perception of 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 like what is productive and what isn't. Yeah, that's right? so funny. That's so funny because um, that's actually what I train my project managers. We had one project manager and, and he's such a sweet kid. He, um, you know, he kind of got taken advantage by one of the designers where, um, and I love all the designers as crazy as some, <laughs> but but we, um, one of them, you know, had had him go on all these crazy Uber trips. And of course, you know, he's a kid and $400 is a lot when you're in college. That's a lot of a lot of money. That's a lot of top ramen. Right. <laughs> it's like four hundred top ramen meals, right? <laughs> if you're at, four hundred top right? ramen. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> if you're at the dollar store, you can get a lot. You can feed a family, and so um, and you know and I and I realized like when I was feed, um, you know filling out his teacher observation evaluation, I said, what is the one thing improvement? It's like you know drawing boundaries. You guys should be teaching about this. Why aren't you guys teaching about boundaries in school? Why don't you teach them how to self-preserve so that they can preserve their value and they're not giving it away so quickly? Well, well I mean, I think mm-hmm. not everybody's, not, it's either you're, you're the product, and we talked about this before, like you're the product or... or you're or the you're, valuable product. Or yes. you're, oh, well, or you're going to be the consumer. Ah, mm-hmm. You or the collabor- or the collaborator. Yeah. You know, so I, mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, there's a lot of things that... Um, you just can't be a sheep. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you just can't be a sheep. Like at least be a sheep dog. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like yeah, sheep dog. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. just I, 
we live in this world that's so like I wouldn't say mean, but it's just so um, there's not a lot of empathy, there's not a lot of values, and sometimes you have to figure out how to balance yourself as an individual and and you know don't get sucked into being that person but at the same time don't be that stupid person yeah exactly right? yeah so. yeah that's crazy one thing i i think i know i kind of the question was kind of similar but when it comes to um sponsorship mm -hmm. and putting on events because mm -hmm. i know i mean you shouldn't have to put up on your own money you know what i'm saying so how does that work tell us the process because you know Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Nesto and I, Chiki Nesto and I, we have ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. But the, I think the goal is to find something you're so good at to where somebody will pay you to do what you're good at. Yeah. So and they're, they're, they're all there. Everybody needs help with their business. Especially now, there's so many solopreneurs. They can't do it alone. We try. We, you know, right? You do, you do it as much as you can, and then you kind of run that bandwidth. So there's always going to be someone that needs help and needs your help and it needs your resources. So when you produce an event, you start out conceptually what, what is gonna be a very attractive event. You know, like um, I remember when we, I was doing a classic car event and they go, Kathy, we got this PR agency and they said that we're not gonna get attendance because we're in Anaheim and it's not Newport and so what do we do? And we have to get 400 people here. Well, we got 600 people, but I came on board and I said, well, do they specialize in sponsorship? And he said, no. I said, well, I do. So let's just buy out everything that they got and then resell it for more money. <laughs> and so what we did is we brought in <laughs> casino gaming tables. <laughs> They're like, hey, you can't bring in this casino gaming. It's sponsored by American Express. Oh, okay. I go, and they're bringing 20 people. Okay. Hmm. And so then, <laughs> and then it's like, um, and we also got the press release sponsored by Southwest Airlines. Oh, okay. So you don't need to write it. Thanks. So it became this thing where it was like, um, we found a way, it didn't matter if the nominal amount wasn't the key, it was the favorable brands that came in that kind of hyped up. I always laugh because one of my good, very good friends today, Ingrid Nielsen, she's been with me for some 15 years now. And when I first met her, she was the, the one and only Vuvuclico rep to talk to. Glamorangi, Ardbeg, Belvedere Vodka, she was the girl. She was, if you got in with Ingrid, you're like, you're in. And now she's with us, and we're like, oh, I love, I love this girl. But she's, um, we met her, um, I remember I was doing a, a Mercedes-Benz event, and I was hired by the city. And they were like, you can't bring in Southwest Airlines. I said, why not? They go, because they have a Toyota Prius love, or they have a Toyota love bug or something like that. And it's a conflict of interest for Mercedes-Benz. I go, well... Well, we're not going to have a Mercedes-Benz event with the Toyota Love Bug. We're going to have a um, prequel event at the wine bar down the street called the Schmoozapalooza. And it's before the Mercedes-Benz Taste of Event. And, and then I'm going to get the five grand and we're going to make an event sponsorship out of it at the prequel event. It has nothing to do with the event there. But we could use that funds to help finance the show. How will that work? <laughs> and so it was kind of a weird you know, thing. We found a need where a wine bar needed the foot traffic. We brought in um, Southwest Airlines, and they were able to park the car without vehicle conflict. It was a separate event, and we helped the fundraising uh, for the city at the same time. We went back to the city, and we were able to solve a problem. So that became my weird thing, was like, how do you solve a problem? Can you be a problem solver? 
are you moved more by numbers or intuition? Uh, numbers. Mm -hmm. And then the intuition comes when you see the stats. Okay, because numbers like, don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, that's true. So it, um, I remember when we were... Um, we were knocking it out of the ballpark for Univision at the time, me and this other girl. I didn't find out until five years later. They were like, we were like the number one, you know, at the time team. And I, I was like, I can't believe that. But I think back now, it was because we were finding the, the research stories. We're like, hey, you know, uh, Papa John's pizza's, um, you know, massively getting consumed by Hispanics versus non-Hispanics at the time. And so we're projecting the next 10 years they're gonna consume even more, so why not jump on the bandwagon? So it was almost, and it's interesting now more than ever because now all those stuff that I was doing manually is now based on predictive analytics, hmm. Instagram, everything, and and time has literally become the new luxury, because now people are getting gratification through like instantaneous response, on demand. So keeping their attention is more important than ever. So are events. So when it comes to events, I think it's finding what resonates with your audience. You got these microphones. Why don't you be calling like Sam's, you know, or what, right? right. <laughs> you should be calling like Best Buy. <laughs> what about your headphones, right? Shit. Right? Your headphones should be sponsored by, you know. So there's all these wonderful ways to like, you look around and find, and someone's going to provide, you know, your shades. I you just know. had an aha moment right now. Yeah. This whole experience has been an aha moment. <laughs> I was just like, oh well, shit, She came right. in just dropping <laughs> dimes. <laughs> yeah, no, gyms. yeah, you've got these monitors right here with rolling billboards and crawls presented by. You're so not letting no penny behind. That's how I look at it. <laughs> You're, you are monetizing on every single aspect and that's, okay, at a younger age, did you, I mean, obviously you stumbled into this, Great but where, where did you I see yourself? Great question. You know, prior to, to you yeah. getting stumbled into like, let's just, let's take it back to 10 year old you. Where, where were you thinking that you were gonna be at? Oh, that's a really good question. I know it's so funny, my dad wanted me to go into life insurance. And at the time, both my parents were like. That's still data though. Yeah, it is still data, that's true. And I was like, at 10, I was fixing the meetings for my dad's life insurance meetings. Oh, shit. And I was putting all the chairs out. And he was reading Napoleon Hill. So when you were pulling those chairs out and you were like <laughs> pissed off because you got to pull some chairs out and put it back in, what, what, where was your mind at as far as like, I'm never doing this shit again? Or, or, or is it like, I can't wait to have my own event? It was, I was going to travel the world. I actually went to UCSD to take a technical writing no class, and I also took, um, uh, I forgot the call, a TESOL class, teaching English as a second language, because I wanted to go to Japan. You know, I got married and had kids, so I took a different route. But it was so weird, because I ended up... Back. Back, yeah, yeah we ended up getting flown out to um, Hong Kong, all um, my staff in 36 um, fashion designers. We were sponsored by one of the largest trade shows in Hong Kong and they chose our market um, to partner with us. And we were flattered. And this was right before the pandemic, so we got to um, meet different suppliers around the world. It was so funny, because they, they told me like the last minute, like, by the way, you're guest speaking tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I am? <laughs> and so I go up there, and I, I think I was talking about the environment and stuff like that. And this gentleman came up to me, he's like, can I get a copy of your, of your speech? And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> because, well, you know, I, I manufacture for Zara, 
and all these other companies and I actually work in Costa Mesa. I'm like, what? It was just so strange that in the middle of Hong Kong, this gentleman came to me and, and, and he said all these wonderful things. And little did I know that I was going to be, you know, doing what I had loved to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to work in imports and exports. And so kind of funny how I ended up doing it through fashion. And so I'd al I would always say if, um, if fashion is a language, style is what we speak. Because I realized that I'm traveling more in fashion than I was when I was at American Express. You know what, it's, it's creepy that you just said that because I was actually reading a quote that said, fashion is, is basically speaking for you without having to say a word. <laughs> well, of right? course. Yeah. Like, and then I was just like, yeah. I, and I, I it kind of like, because sometimes like, you know, they call me GQ Nesta, but I felt like the older <laughs> I got, like I got more raggedy. You know what I mean? And you're like, <laughs> like, I never realized why old people were like, not trying to like, they were just more comfortable. Yeah, yeah they, they were just wearing the they pants. All for and, comfort. You know, yeah. and then yeah. eventually like, I was just like, you know what? Like, shit, I've been wearing like shorts and like gym attire for quite some time. And, um, they, then I, I started to think about that, and I was like, "Shit!" Then I've been projecting some like bullshit, like no, I mean, well, not even, not right yeah. now though. Right now, the the scrungy look, worn look is that that is it. That is it. Yeah, actually, that, it, and according to DHL, streetwear is that where it's at in yeah. LA. Yeah, that that is it. Mm -hmm. Like you you. You see the guy getting out of the Bugatti with some gym shorts on. And well, you know how I roll, like sandals and shorts. No, but it, I mean, it is true, though. Like, you know, I can, not me specifically, but just generally speaking, you can sit in a room. You stay consistent. Yeah, you stay you, consistent. You, yeah. you, you, and you have a nice drink in your hand and maybe a cigar. And just by the image that is presented, I can say, okay. I can well, see. Well, that, the, the, that experience that we had in Rodell Drive, remember? Right. Yeah. You saw what he got out in, right? Right. You right. saw what he pulled up in in the Rolls Royce truck. Tell, tell her the story. Well, so we, um, I think this was probably one of our first times working yeah. here um, in this lovely studio. And we went to uh, just, I guess, take a break. So we went to the Beverly Center. Oh. Uh, we have we have a, a pretty, we have a nice vehicle, but it's not the best. So it's cool. It's not like a <laughs> 1988 Civic, you yeah, know? So yeah. we pull up and... The uh, valet comes out and, you know, takes our key and a ticket and just, you know, proceeds in doing his job. Yeah. Then we see another gentleman pull up right behind us in uh, pretty much a half a million dollar vehicle. Right. And he's just sitting there. <laughs> and he's waiting. There's no valet. There's no nothing. So he gets out of the car and he looks at him because he's dressed nice. <laughs> And he was like, hey, I should have dressed like you. <laughs> then they would have got my car. And you know what I'm saying? So it, it was kind of like one of those like, dang, well, it is like that, you know, because you, you are what you present. You know, your first impression is a lasting impression. You know, of course, everybody got their bad days. You caught me at an off moment. Yeah. But, you know, here. but yep. look, look into my heart. You know what I'm saying? But if I don't get to your heart, if you don't say a word, I'm looking at how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you carry yourself in a professional manner, an uh, honorable manner, then you're going to be treated like it's going to be more receptive, you know. Yeah. So that, that, that's just my, my, my take. That's enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just enough no, of that. No, it's, it, it's weird. It's my, uh, one of our staff members, she specializes in the psychology of fashion. And, um, and it is a door opener for many people. Depending, depending on the, your objective, hey, if you're just hitting the baseball field and wear whatever you want, you know, whatever it is, if you're out on the beach, you know. But um, in some degrees, you know, wearing fashion in very 
um, levels of style, you know, you may could be a, bit, a big door opener and also a big closer, depending on, you know, it's not a make or break, but it's definitely, it definitely helps. You know? the, way, the way fashion repeats itself, that's, right. pretty, that's, oh, pretty, definitely. that's pretty cool. Because now it's like you, you're starting to see older fashions come back when yeah. before. It, but I then mean, it makes you realize how old you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Wait a minute, I've seen this before. Like I remember I'm my parents on, used to say that. Now it I'm on an autoplay. <laughs> it went around twice and came back and caught you back For again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't want to let this slip. I, I know I want to talk about your cruises. Please talk about your celebrity oh, cruises. Yeah. Yeah, so we're so excited. So, um, so when I was in travel, you know, my main thing was I would w one day would love to um, take everybody on these fashion tours, and it was so awesome that we were really fortunate that Celebrity Cruises came um, to us in 2019, and we launched um, a resort wear competition, and ultimately um, this evolved into us developing with them Fashion Travel Week. So we're really excited um, because uh, at the same time, there's two major things that happened, or actually three major things that happened. Um, we were asked by the Council of Fashion Designers of America to become an associate member. Um, and we're so honored because um, it's offered to a delegate, you know, or I should say associate in California, and we got the honors. And um, we were just um, profoundly moved by it. The Council of Fashion Designers of America are um, based in New York, and they help. Uh, they're very influential in the New York Fashion Week, and and they're they've also taken the establishment to, um, you know, help rebuild the United States uh, American designer with their support and guidance, and um, I believe they also have Fern Malice, who is um, the original founder of New York Fashion Week, and they credit her for re revolutionizing the runway, because back in the day when fashion started. Um, you know, it was mostly like a, a lot of European designs. You're seeing the Balmain, Yves Saint Laurent, um, Chanel, you know, all the major brands were all mostly European-based, Dolce Gabbana. You weren't hearing much about the American designers back in the day in the 1960s. And then all of a sudden, over time, you started to hear more. And then, you know, the folks that, that came out, the Tom Ford, the Michael Kors, um, you know, the Donna Karens, they, they all kind of eventually evolved. Um, but to bring you back to that point is that um, the key is that uh, I think uh, really is coming back to um, building a foundation for American designers to be discovered. And um, for us, that also means connecting on an international level and, um, and helping them evolve with connections through fashion and travel. So to tie in those two, we have a cruise um, June 24 through July 1st with uh, Celebrity Cruises and we're going to Barcelona. We stop at Cannes and then Florence, Italy. So we're really, really excited about When you about say that. we, we're included, right? Yes, you are. You're here, are you coming? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can do your podcast on there. Yeah. Would that be awesome? No. Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll line them up. Actually, we'll line them up. Kathy, don't, don't, don't you do this. I'm going to do this. Don't you excited. No, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to work with you guys on this. I know how to do it. Let's okay. call up your friends too on the ticket. Sure. <laughs> hey, we, yeah, we yeah, added no, on team now. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be awesome. Yeah. What what uh was such a demanding uh career? What what is your what is your escape? How how do you manage your time since time is valuable and it's yeah. one thing that you can't get back. That's so true. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking that. Um, we I always revert back to that method 
to the madness is uh, every quarter hour when during runway season we actually schedule our runway designer meetings every quarter hour so on wednesdays we line everybody up and we believe that it helps keep them aligned with their checklist and what they need to accomplish in weeks in advance and at the same time, their project manager is there to assist, you know, on questions and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I usually try to, I have kind of an unusual schedule, so sometimes I'll take Mondays off or I'll take, you know, unusual days off because I'll start my Mondays on Wednesday of the next week. So I my Wednesdays are my Mondays, and then we Work move through on. the weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's not like that, you know, every season, you know, because I think that's just during our runway season and the off season. It's like I love hitting the beach and with my dogs and just spending time with my family. Um, and whenever time I can travel, I, I do it. I work, play and travel. <laughs> so that's kind of like my main escape and reading. I, I do still love to read. I love highlighting. I'm one of those. Like I can't just I, you know I recently got Speechify which is actually kind of funny. Have you have you seen I've that heard app? Of it. Yeah, I've heard yeah. It, I actually I think I went through like four books. I just put it on high speed. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like real you sent me. Yeah, yeah. the fastest reader in the world. Oh my god! It was like listening to an auction. No, but I actually I mean if you need to consume a lot of information or short amount of time, that is like the thing to do. Cause it just like, I think I finished it in like less than 20 minutes. She almost like, reminds me of like, I, I don't know, have you seen the movie Casino? Yes. So the Robert De Niro part, Ace, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it just, it just seems like you're so in tune of like, there's no shutting off. It's just more of like connecting the dots. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. It's so funny. I actually met on the gentleman that inspired the movie Casino. It was so funny. Cause really? Yeah. When I, so long before Fashion Week came and we were doing a, an itinerary um, for this organization called YPO, the Young President's Organization, and they wanted um, this incredible weekend getaway, and they wanted the mobsters to come, and um, this mobster's wife wrote a book, and she cancels the night before. And we're like, oh shit, what are we gonna do yeah. now? What are we? We're like, she just canceled, and she had got, to. yeah, is, yeah, no choice. And she puts <laughs> us on the phone, and we're like, um, actually, we're bringing the mobster that inspired the movie Casino. I'm like, what? And the FBI agent that apprehended him. I'm like, no shit, holy shit, holy cow, really? So we all got mobster hats, and we had him hit the door like. FBI, you know, to just like, and everyone's like freaked out, like, oh my God. And that's, that was their opening. And uh, they, he was actually the quote unquote technical specialist of, of the team, you know, um, to inspire the movie Casino. But he, and then the very next day they were on CNN because they had just opened up the Mobster Museum. So that was Mr. Frank Culotta. And he was responsible for taking the mobsters down. So he was the one they put in hiding and they had, um, you know, he had to do all the reveals and things of that nature. The was snitch. Crazy. He, was, he, was, he was, you know, he passed away, you know, but it was crazy. That's dope, that's dope. It's crazy. All right, then let's let's switch it up a bit. What, what would you say to date, what is the most exciting thing that has happened to you? To date, work-related or family-related? <laughs> Wherever you want to go with. It's definitely like, you know, I'm always going to go back to the birth of my kids, you know. They're my, my babies. Um, and then, of course, um, I, I look back at, at everything that has happened to me in my life, and sometimes I wonder, like, how did I get here? And it's just all the incredible people that I've met along the way. 
I Would you want to change anything? You know, I think if I were to change anything, I, um, you would have started out. You, you could include the babies and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, gosh, no. I don't know if I could change no. anything because it's almost like every milestone, every accident, tragedy, drama comes with its positive. Yeah, there was like a there was like an an outcome that you know I I used to say they didn't break you they they built you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's the people that I'll try, you'll meet along the way, and some of them will want to break your spirit. Right. And and it's really sad that there's people out there that'll that exist out there, or maybe it's your perception. It could be you, like just being sad for yourself. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's, it's true. true. It's right? true. I think I think nobody wants to be intimidated by somebody that's more brilliant or better or more innovative. And I think it's natural that everybody wants their own shine. But I think the way this world is, is you want to build yourself a team. You want to build yourself with people that are loyal, people that are willing to, you know, carry their own weight and and be able to, um, you know, run with you. And and unfortunately, that's not very common, especially values going down the drain. Like, you know, we're 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 looking at this world where now it's it's like I said, you know, you have to, you know, balance out your integrity and your um, efficiency. You know, because yeah. time is money. Yeah. And well, I think sometimes like we get these experiences for that moment in time and then that just becomes a chapter mm-hmm. in your life. And then maybe t- if it doesn't work out, then you tape that chapter and you keep it with you. And you could always go back and visit it. You could always reread that chapter, study it, learn from it, grow from it. But it'll always be there. It was like, that was a, wow, that was a good t- moment in time that just happened. Like, like us going to Hong Kong, you know, 36 of us, you know, in the middle, and then going to Greece right after for Athens Designer Week, you know, it just blows my mind that, you know, these are just moments in time. But they're there for a reason, and uh, take it or leave it, and whatever shape, form they come in, they're there to, um, in my mind, they are there to deliver a message or something you're supposed to learn from. And, um, you know, I think that uh, energetically, you're always going to be able to determine what feels um, wrong or what feels right. If, if there's a lightness, like, you know, when you get that feeling, that feeling, mm-hmm. that's the feeling you want to hold on to. That's the truth. And when you, when, you get, when you don't get that feeling, when you're scrunched in, you're, you don't feel good, that's, that's, there's, there's a lie sitting there somewhere. There's something not right. Maybe go back and retweak. Maybe go back and retweak the setting or maybe change the people around or change the terms around, whatever it might be. But uh, go back there and fix it until everyone's like, (sighs) and then when they back. What's your definition of success? To me, it's when all things are working appropriately. The community, the people are happy, the, you know, it's, it's a constant state of joy. I think when when there's a rhythmic feeling to it and everybody's you know in that spot of happiness like you can't really and and you see it visually like you know when you go to a party you're like you could see the peak of the party right at the beginning of the party it's kind of like eh, no one's here yet but everyone's having a good time and then there's this peak where it peaks you know that's there's a state of happiness and joy and i think that's when you find that solace with your success and your family and your friends and when you have that equilibrium it's kind of like that that bumper sticker that <laughs> coexist, right? It's different lanes, different priorities, different studies, different practices, but 
the wheels are all turning the gears they mesh so yeah it's yeah. all like you know and, the, and then the weird things start happening like they fall on your lap like you know it was so weird i was doing an underwater photo shoot and we um our makeup artist couldn't make it and so i'm at cbs pharmacy so you, you dove down there and did the makeup you were, yeah we we're gonna do that yeah no i was going to i went to cbs <laughs> pharmacy i was like she's here in 15 minutes and and um and i couldn't find a makeup artist course because i'm at cbs pharmacy and i'm looking for underwater makeup and lo and behold the next aisle there's this little girl goth makeup and she's got an earring in her nose and i'm like you don't happen to be a makeup artist are you she goes, actually, <laughs> I am. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, with L'Oreal. Wow, I really need you right now. <laughs> Can you follow me to the shoot? It's underwater. Yeah, I'm like, okay, great. Um, and I'll pay you and, you know, let's go. You know, But it was, it was the most random thing, you know. It was just sometimes the oddities happen out of need, but it's like, um, to me, that's always been with this force of momentum when it's happening at the same time and then it, they all just start falling in the lap. I can't even explain. It's so bizarre, but it's happened to me a few times. Wow. So, yeah. Kathy, you should go buy a lottery ticket. Out <laughs> I don't know Maybe if you I play. Maybe should do that. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. It's like, it's, you know, like, I just feel like some people are highly favored and blessed. Like, you know, we all are under, in my belief, God's grace. But, like, there are some that you're just like, dude. Like you're you're receiving it a lot more <laughs> than than others, you know, than common. So that's that's definitely. Uh, but I got one question, and we're mm -hmm. we're gonna wrap it up here. All right. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> what's one thing that makes you happy or makes you smile, no matter how many times it happens? Oh, it's always gonna be seeing my kids. Okay. That's always gonna be like it for me. Seeing them happy makes you happy. Seeing them happy makes me happy. Are, are, are they, you know, any projections on them? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, so my daughter, she's actually... No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, actually, they have uh, different passions, but both um, incredibly talented artists. They And I'm not saying that just because I'm their mom, um, but uh, they both play um, guitar together. And then uh, they both went to um, a really amazing uh, school and uh, my daughter, she took on her dad's traits, so she's a, an animator like her dad. No way. He's he worked on Curious George and um, Rugrats in Paris. Um, go way back. And go way back. But when I when I met him, um, you know, he did he didn't. We both met at Budweiser. He was a truck driver at the time, and oh. I was a little marketing intern. Yeah, and uh, and he says I got this MTV offer, and I'm like I think you should get it. I think you should go for it. He said, what about us? I'm like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But you, you know, when those opportunities happen, when they knock like that, you just, you don't know the outcome. Like for those that try to work the outcome too hard and, go, and then they give up, it's like they just miss that entire outcome. Mm. They just mm. they just missed the ride, the hay ride. Shit. <laughs> yeah, <Shit. laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a weird thing and I and so um and my son, he wants to be a film director, so he's studied it's funny, he's filming his first scary movie. So oh, it, it's nice. pretty cool. Yeah, he's um and he wants to get into an internship. So I'm I'm excited for them because they have um this electric talent. They don't want any of our input they're doing it on their own that's cool and um my daughter she uh, she bought her own car she worked at pizza hut for two years and she saved up all her money 
and she's like no mom i don't want you to pay anything and i'm like what <laughs> and she went and she i mean that's more than i did you know I that's the like, least <laughs> they can do they're no longer tax write-offs right I know. So, so you know exactly. just charge them yeah charge yeah. the little guys <laughs> <laughs> no, but you were talking about the the whole quitting things. Remind me of the Napoleon Hill. One of his books was about the gold, the story of the gold miner who quit. I think three feet, two feet away from the oh. next. Yeah, that's in one of his books. And then he goes and sells the gold miner goes and sells all his equipment back to some random guy, and the guy looks at the equipment and say, "Hey, where were you at?" So he goes and he gets an engineer to. Uh, re-examined the area and he said hey the main vein to the gold is about a foot and a half away from where they were digging and the guy accumulated millions and stuff like that but yeah it's actually a true story oh like, yeah. I didn't read that one that's yeah. a good one yeah, wow yeah. I think yeah, that one was a uh, uh, think and grow rich. Yeah, think and grow rich. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the I think the the owner that um, it was like a co-founder of Apple. I think he's the one that like I don't know if you guys heard of him. Uh, you can't fact check me on this because I don't even know his name. But he had like a huge what is like ten percent of Apple and he sold it for eight hundred bucks and then. <gasps> now, <laughs> yeah, he's kicking himself. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I mean, that happened on Facebook too, right? With no. the twins. Yeah, but that 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 happens. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've come to the the end of our um, episode today. We wanted to thank you for for tuning in. But before we get into the whole formalities, uh, Miss Kathy, um, put out your social media out there. Any events that we should be looking for? Anything upcoming? Yeah, so um, we're going to be coming up with our next show, um, OC Fashion Week, our runway. So they could watch us on our Instagram feed for posts coming up in spring we're really really excited about fashion travel week is happening um june uh 24th through july 1st we're really excited about that and um and we're bringing back hot tech um hot tech uh, the world of fashion technology um, we started it back in 2014 and new to the panel um we had uh, a gal that we met katie um, chanakis um, she's actually here from la and she created and pioneered a whole nft panel and web3 and all that metaverse universe that's like some of it's over my head but it's amazing and so we came together and collaborated for the first time to create this unique event which we held at terminus um, this cool arcade um, for you know all this wonderful tech stuff and so we're we're looking forward to bringing that fashion forward coming up in march as well so so those are some of the latest things that we're working on for sure nice yeah. gq nesto anything you would like to leave share with our listeners and our viewers i just want to thank all our listeners um thank you for following us uh please follow our um all our social media platforms and get enlightened um i think Today was a very good session, just getting an aha moment from this lovely guest. <laughs> and I think that uh, a lot of our audience could benefit from that. So um, tap into that. I mean, you, you lose nothing by, you know, uh, seeing the you know other side of the coin and just uh, find ways to progress. That's it. All right. Yeah. And Miss Kathy, anything you would like to share with yeah. our listeners and viewers? Well, I want to say thank you for having me on your show. I think you guys are super talented. I think that you could keep doing what you're doing. You're on gold right now, and you're connecting with the community the way um, not everybody does every day. And I think you're on to something. Thank so you. Thank you. See that. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. And I would say uh, something that we touched on in one of our previous recordings is uh, some beauty does come from the darkness. 
all right meaning that plant that seed is in the soil in the dark but eventually when it's watered and nurtured it blossoms into something beautiful so uh you can get through it all right find your purpose realize it and go after it but i'm your boy drew we thank you for tuning in today we are option four we see you guys next time one